Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good morning. You know, I appreciate that there are all kinds of different family events uh, that take place on Christmas Day, but you've made coming to church and worshipping Jesus a priority. And that's what keeping Jesus in the centre of Christmas is all about. So great choice. Let's just pray now and give thanks to God for this money and pray that it would be put to, to good use for his kingdom. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day, a day where we celebrate and remember that you gave to us the gift of your son, Jesus. God, we could never outgive you. You have given everything and so what we offer to you now is a very small token of thanks and appreciation. Lord, we thank you for the work of Baptist World Aid Australia and thank you, Lord, for how they are bringing hope um, and a better future to people like Michael and Immaculate. We pray that this money and indeed all the money that is raised this day for the good work that they do uh, would draw many people, Lord, to know about your son Jesus and the life transformation that he brings. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day, a day where we can join and celebrate with many others, a day where, uh, Lord, we can just pause and give thanks. Lord, for some of us, it is a day of great joy and fun and celebration, and we thank you for that. Indeed, it is. But Lord, for others, today is a hard day, a day where perhaps a loved one who was here with us is now no longer. Perhaps it is a day where we won't get to see various people who we would like to. Perhaps it's a day where tensions uh, will come to the fore as people gather around tables. Lord, whatever this day holds, may we know that you're at the centre of it. And thank you, God, that you always bring light and life into darkness. And thank you that you bring hope into despair and that you bring joy into sorrow. May we, each one, know the joy of Jesus this day, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, again, good on you for being here this morning. It's great to come together on Christmas Day and to uplift and celebrate the name of Jesus. And indeed, as we talked about earlier, at Christmas time, there are so many trimmings, aren't there? It's a busy month, the month of December. But at the heart of it all, is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And today we make room for him and rejoice because the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This morning we conclude our series, The Majesty of Jesus. And to do so, we are considering an ancient text, but one that plays a very important role in the Nativity story. Approximately 700 years before the wise men gave their gifts, before the shepherds worshipped, before the angels sang, the prophet Isaiah foretold about the arrival of a new king, a king who would usher in an unprecedented regime of peace and prosperity in Jerusalem. 
This king would bring light into great darkness. Such a message brought hope and expectation for the people of Israel who were living under significant opposition and certain defeat from the Assyrian Empire. The prophet Isaiah, his name means the Lord saves, and many believe that is the theme of the book. Isaiah was a prophet for approximately 40 years during the reigns of kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Other contemporary prophets around his time include Amos, Hosea, and Micah. Isaiah is considered a major prophet, which means that the book, the content of his book is quite extensive, but also it has the major prophets, in comparison to the minor prophets, have a universal application, meaning the message applies not just to a specific group of people, but indeed to all people. Isaiah was married with two sons, and he was instrumental in foretelling the nativity story some 700 years earlier. Isaiah's prophecies include present, the present situation for Judah, as well as future promises about the Messiah, including his birth, his, his life, and his suffering. A little bit of context for today's verse. The northern kingdom of Israel faced a dangerous and threatening foe. The evil, aggressive Assyrian empire was growing and expanding. In fact, it would only be a few years after these words were written that Israel would be sacked, overrun and crushed in humiliating defeat. We see this in chapter 8, verse 22, where we read, Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. However, darkness will not have the last word. Chapter 9 begins with these words. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Into such a stark reality, a word from heaven was spoken about a redeeming, everlasting king, who would be given to govern and rule with unparalleled wisdom, justice, peace and righteousness. The prophet continues from verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In this prophetic message, Isaiah explains what Christmas is all about in what one writer has called the cornerstone and centrepiece of all prophetic prophecy. From the early church to this day, Christians have understood and believed that Jesus is the fulfilment of all the Old Testament messianic prophecies. That is, all of the verses in the Old Testament that foretell a future saviour. 
Isaiah also made another famous prophecy about the birth of Jesus in chapter 7, verse 14, where we read, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Matthew quotes this in his nativity story. In this remarkable prophecy, Isaiah brings together four titles for this new king in a very tight and concise package that appear nowhere else in all of the Bible. In fact, in this one verse, there are more names for the Messiah crowded together than anywhere else in Scripture. Taken together, they encapsulate the totality of Jesus' life and ministry, and they also speak to his deity and to his humanity. We can see that the words wonderful, God, everlasting, and peace all speak of Jesus' deity, of his divine status as God. And the words counsellor, mighty, father, and prince speak of Jesus' humanity. Now, just as we have or will unwrap Christmas presents today, let's briefly unpack the meaning behind these four titles, so that we can have absolute confidence that Jesus is the fulfilment of their intended meaning and expectation. Wonderful counsellor. The original Hebrew understanding of the word wonderful has a slightly different meaning to how we might interpret it today. Back then, it meant separate distinguished, beyond understanding, indescribable or inspiring. Whilst we might more readily think of a counsellor in therapeutic terms, in this context the phrase counsellor refers to the exercise of government, the capacity to administer, to plan and execute policy and to advise. This wonderful counsellor would be able to make plans and govern with wisdom and foresight beyond human ability or measure. Is it any wonder that the greatness and peace of this government will know no end? Unlike the Assyrian or Roman Empire, who dominated by force and imposed their strength and influence with sheer size and control, The kingdom and governance of Jesus' reign will come about through the means of men and women being astonished by his wisdom and peaceful governance that they will no longer subscribe to the old order of power and control and make decisions to follow the true king of kings. It's interesting to consider that at the time of Isaiah's writing, And at the time of Jesus' birth, some 700 years later, the people of Israel were living in the shadow of these two very dominant, very oppressive governments. Both of these empires were led and governed with force and control and superiority. And into this context, a Messiah, a new king, was first prophesied and then born. 
In particular, the oppressive political dominance of the Roman Empire with its threatening military presence and coercive tax system made the Jewish people feel threatened, crushed, devalued. And it's understandable that after 700 years of expectation, God's people had expected that a king would come who could deliver them from the the oppressive regime of Caesar and defeat the power of Rome. The reign and governance of Jesus, however, will operate under very different terms. Jesus exercised great wisdom in the way he taught about and revealed the kingdom of heaven. He taught and more importantly demonstrated love for enemy, peace and forgiveness. A far cry from what the people were used to from those in government. People marvelled at Jesus' authority in his teaching and his miracles As men and women came to see God's power at work in the person of Jesus, they pledged loyalty to the true king and governor. And the movement of Jesus has and continues to change the world to this very day. 1 Corinthians 1.24 teaches us that Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is our advisor, our teacher, our confidant and friend. Jesus is the wonderful Counselor. The word mighty speaks of bravery, boldness, and valiance, all words associated with military strength and engagement. An, an, an effective king, who was by default the commander in chief, would assure that his realm enjoyed peace through victory in military battle. Isaiah's newly promised king would be expected to have uncommon courage and power to overcome the enemy. However, Jesus is a king of a different order. He will not compete with the power of Rome on the terms of Rome. Jesus chose to exercise his might in a different way. He cast out demons He rebuked the storm and it calmed. He healed people of their diseases and infirmities. Jesus exercised mastery over that which threatens life and was triumphant. Unclean spirits, threatening storms and debilitating illnesses obeyed his command. The enemy Jesus took on was the devil, sin, death and darkness. Everything that stands in contrast to light and life. What extraordinary courage and command he displayed in battle and praise be to God for his compelling victory at Calvary. In the Old Testament the word El, which is Hebrew for God, is used exclusively as a designation for none other than Almighty God. Therefore the title God obviously speaks of the Messiah's divine status and equality with God. It is an affirmation of Jesus' divinity. For example, Psalm 103, 3 to 5, speaks of God's actions, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit 
and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In the Gospels, we see Jesus forgiving people of their sins, Jesus healing diseases, satisfying hunger, redeeming people from shame and social exclusion and lifting them up. We see Jesus defeat the enemy Satan and win the ultimate battle over darkness. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus says what God says. Jesus does what God does. He is none other than God himself, a member of the Holy Trinity. Jesus is the mighty God. Everlasting Father. Everlasting means timeless. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. He has no beginning or no end. He has always been and always will be. Jesus is indeed everlasting. What about the term Father? At first this might seem a strange title for Jesus, the Son. However, in Hebrew understanding, it speaks more to a task and a role than anything else. It could mean ruler. The task of a king as ruler is to do fatherly deeds. The king in his role had fatherly tones of oversight, protection, care and leadership. A good and just king was especially tasked with the role of ensuring the vulnerable, such as widows and orphans, were cared for and protected. Jesus exercises familial responsibility like a father in the way he cared for the poor and vulnerable. He valued and lifted up women and children. Consider the way Jesus spoke to his disciples in the upper room as he was preparing for their imminent parting. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come for you, Jesus says. Jesus is the son who is also a father. Fatherly in his love and care, fatherly in his goodness and compassion, this is his character. This is what he is to his people. He acts toward us as a father, a good father, a perfect father. He is always there, never too busy or disinterested or preoccupied with the affairs of himself, but rather of his children. He is provider, protector, and forever. Jesus is the everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. A prince is the one who is in charge, who is a lord, who is the chief or the, in general. And the Hebrew word peace means shalom, which means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness. It's far larger than the absence of conflict and hostility. However, in the context of an ancient culture marked by territorial battles led by monarch kingdoms, the original hearers would have anticipated that this promised king would have achieved peace as a result of seizing, restraining and defeating one's enemy in military battle. However, Jesus was not the leader nor the king that people expected. He was a non-violent leader and his ultimate battle was not with flesh and blood. Rather, it was with principalities and powers beyond the physical realm. Jesus has and will conquer the real enemy, 
the prince of darkness, once and for all. At his birth, the angels sang of the one who would bring peace on earth. And in his first resurrection appearance to his disciples, the words Jesus speak are, peace be with you. Jesus has achieved and will achieve real and lasting shalom. His life was a mission of bringing peace between a holy God and a sinful people. Through his substitutionary death on the cross, Jesus has brought us peace with God. Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. We also have the wonderful promise that whenever we are feeling anxious about anything, we can turn towards heaven in prayer and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus, whom we celebrate today on Christmas Day and indeed every day of the year, is wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice to whom this new king is for. The prophet Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us. Jesus was given. Jesus is God's gift for us, for you and for me. As with any gift, it's up to the recipient to receive and unwrap the gift and enjoy everything that it offers. Friends, today is a wonderful day to unwrap the gift of Jesus. In Revelation 3.30, we read these words of Jesus. He says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The gift of Jesus is for us. The gift of Jesus is for you. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor who can govern your life with unparalleled wisdom and insight. Jesus is the mighty God who has defeated the enemy of darkness and offers forgiveness of sin and shame. Jesus is the everlasting Father who is timeless in his oversight, provision and care. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace who brings peace with God and others during times of anxiety, a peace that transcends all understanding. Open your heart to Jesus today and receive the very best gift you will ever receive, a Lord and Saviour given for us all. Merry Christmas. Let me lead us in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that in your wisdom you chose to send your Son, that you chose to put on flesh and enter into our world as a vulnerable, helpless babe. Thank you that you grew into a man, Jesus, and you showed us the kingdom of God, a kingdom that was so different and distinct 
from the kingdom of Assyria or the kingdom of Rome. Thank you, Lord, that yours is a kingdom of love, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of forgiveness. And thank you that today the offer is for each one of us to invite Jesus into our lives, to accept that we have been sinful, that we are a sinful people, and to recognise that in Jesus our Saviour is forgiveness and life and everlasting hope. We thank you for the wonderful gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. O oh Lord, you are a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Jesus, on this day of all days, we celebrate and honour you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.